listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network. Welcome back everybody to the Oz Network. Watch coverage in the sixth season of course. We are in to episode three, Last Will and Testament, first date on the 1st of October 2004, written by Simon Mirren, directed by Matt Earl Beasley. It's an interesting one this week. Much better than last week, um, but yeah, a bit to talk about. My name is Ben and I don't have any friends. Really? True story. <laughs> just messing with yeah, just messing with you there, man. What's up everybody? My name's Darvell and I don't give a damn who your daddy is. <laughs> um yeah, last will and testament, Darvell. I mean this is the the Finney episode, the first Brendan Finney episode. Yay, Finney. Um we've got Yokus having some family crisis still. Um there's a rat in the house that we know who it is, but apparently they still need to make us try and believe we don't know who it is. And, yeah, I don't know what else we need to say before we get into it. <laughs> yeah, not really much else to say. Yeah, well, we start off the to episode... We start off the episode with our third montage in three episodes. We're 100% for montages in season six. Um, and it's kind of a weird montage because we've got, like, slow-motion shots from the shooting of... Donald Mann, we've got like kind of a, a zoom in on what look like court documents or like I guess documents on, um, you know, what happened in the shooting. We get weird zoom ins of what looks like Yokus's and Cruz's police photos, um, a zoom in on the, the NYPD logo. It's kind of very cheesy, like it's kind of a very weirdly yeah. cheesy montage, which kind of leads us into Yokus just chilling in her apartment because. As often most people do in TV shows, everyone's just sitting around in silence, looking all sad and solemn, just in case the phone happens to ring. Which, in this case, it's about to. Uh, I should say Yokus is kind of picking up things in a box and looking at things to do uh, with the kids. She's seeing a test from Charlie, a B+. Plus, um, kind of reminiscing on the fact that a family aren't there. But then the phone rings and it's Sasha. She wants to have lunch with Yokus because... You know, she heard she has a promotion today, so she thought she should catch up with her and see how she's doing. And, of course, Yokus doesn't want to. Um, she says, you know, thanks for uh, calling up and everything like that. Great. Uh, we're in roll call. Swirsky um, is uh, basically talking to everyone, as he always does. And um, sort of we have a bit of a tense moment between um, Monroe and Davis, who obviously are still uh, fighting after last week's tense moment. Kind of they share a bit of a look. Uh, we find out that Bosco is out of a coma, which is great. Uh, and then we find out that Davis, da- Davis, that's his name. Now, Davis is being partnered up with a <laughs> brand new rookie. He's going to be a field training officer, which is a bit of a promotion All for right, Davis. Davis. Yay. Um, Munro and Sully also will be together. But we find out that Davis's new partner is somebody called Finney. And then Sully sort of chimes in. He's like, oh, he's going to have a hell of a time with that last name. You know, the only Finney I know is that rat bastard Captain Finney, one of the dirtiest cops I know. And, of course, what happens in a scene like that? Of course, he's standing right behind him. Swirsky's like, yep, I want you to meet uh, Captain Finney's son, uh, Brendan Finney. And then, of course, is where Sully's like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, Josh Stewart just has a, a weird smirk. He's got resting smirk face. Is that a thing, do you think? 
And yeah, well, if it wasn't before, it is now. Resting smirk face. Resting okay. smirk face. Um, and just the way he looks at Sully, and like, I don't, I can't read the Finny character this episode because it's kind of implied, you know, straight away that he's shocked at what Sully has said. You know, he's all like, oh, you know, I can't believe he's saying that about my father. But then he goes from that to, oh, I don't give a damn what people say about my father. And it kind of almost, you're led to believe that he's manipulating Davis so we can play the, you know, the, the sympathy card so we can drive. And, like, it's just never made clear to me if that's what he's doing. Because then, obviously, at the end of this episode, he's kind of back to being a rookie and kind of dealing with his first death knock. So, I don't know, just, just from the opening moment of this scene, when we first get Josh Stewart and the first look at uh, Brendan Finney with resting smirk face... I just cannot read him in this episode. I think they tr- I was waiting to get to this episode to say this because I, I was. It, it came to my mind last week when we were previewing it, but I was waiting to till we actually got to the episode. I think they tried to make him. At, at least at first, you could argue that they tried to make him. That they tried to make him kind of like Bosco mm. to kind of fill that void, with you know just his attitude towards the job and everything. But I do like how they eventually develop the Finney character, and I do. It's an interesting point, you know, because they because they make him they make him his own they make him his own as yeah. as this season progresses. Yeah, and like, look, it's it's an interesting point because I can definitely see your point in trying to make him the new Bosco, and it's kind of I guess going back to. And it doesn't work. Like it's kind of going back to what you're saying like a few weeks ago about like is Grace and new Kim, but like yeah, like. I see it, but I don't because yeah, Finney is too much of his own character to be a Bosco, and I think kind of the difference between Bosco and Finney and the the moments when kind of Finney's been a bit of a gung ho cop, like Bosco was or is, is that Bosco does it and he's likable, and that we can still like Bosco, whereas Finney kind of just does it and he's annoying, like. I guess because the reason I would say behind that is because when we see Bosco early on being gung-ho and cowboy-esque, we're still learning who he is as much as we're learning who Yokus is and who Sully is and who Davis is. Whereas we already know at this point who Sully is and Yokus is and Davis are. And we've just got this new cop who's kind of getting on our nerves a little bit because he's not listening to what other people are telling him, if you know what I mean. So yeah, that's where I think the ultimate difference lies. And yeah, like... Finney's just an odd one. I can't even, as I said last week, I can't even just put a meh on Finney. I mean, I maybe have in the past, but just each week to week, I just can't get a read on him. And I just, I never feel, and I hope that at the end of season six, I can finally get a overall, hey, I actually don't mind Finney. Because, oh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Finney's just odd. Finney's an odd character in this show. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, but we get the credits here. Uh, Josh Stewart's on the credits. There we go. So, you know, we're officially 100% season six now, Darvell, because we've got Cara Bueno and Josh Stewart on our opening credits. The last time they will ever uh, do any changes, I believe, to the credits. Uh, I mean, Bonnie Dennison sort of does her appearance on the credits every now and then. But, um, yeah, we should mention Chris Bauer is no longer ever going to be credited as a main cast member. Uh, and Yvonne Jung robbed of ever being a main cast member. So... Uh, we've kind yeah. of got our final version of the credits, I think, of this episode right now, the opening credits. Um, 
And I should mention, they've added a few little scenes here and there. So the majority of kind of the scenes in between the uh, cast members are all really season five and season six scenes now. There are, you know, the occasional... Like, we've still got the Bosco salute from season two. We've still got the... Uh, firefighters i believe it's jimmy kind of getting blown down to the ground from season one but for the most part all of our uh little scenes we've got in the opening credits are all of our newer uh episodes rather than our older episodes um yeah we have uh the uh, after the credits we've got sully uh questioning finney Ah, uh, Finney, sorry swirsky you know saying like this is a bad idea you know what happened between his uh their parents um uh, which again i i kind of like one thing I do weirdly like about season six and particularly when we get to the whole Davis dad storyline conclusion is they sow the seeds very early, like season three, uh, episode three, the opening, what, like five minutes, we've got a seed sown and we're really not going to get a crescendo to that to what, uh, black and not black and blue. Um, forever blue, forever blue. I knew there was a blue in there. So, I mean, that's kind of a, an eight, nine episode arc, isn't it? Which I think is clever. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I kind of like that little, uh, implication there that they have there as well. Um, we get a good little moment, a real throwback to the first episode, uh, where Davis is walking outside with Finney and he's like, you got your patrol book. And then he throws it straight into the bin. A complete recreation of what Sully did with Davis on their opening uh, scene. So, do love it. Like, props to that little moment. Um, The one thing, though, that I find incredibly odd is the fact that here's Davis giving information to uh, Finney and that they're going to be 5'5 David. Now... (laughs) As someone who has modelled no, uh-uh. so much of his social media presence and online presence for 15 years on the 55 David call sign, that is based on Bosco and Yokus. <laughs> At no point is Davis and Finney 55 David. So, no. and I think even when no, Bosco it, comes back, it and does he's with, not work. When Bosco comes back and he's with uh, Sully, they're 55 Charlie still, aren't they? So this is kind of 55 David for the rest of the the show, and. Can't they just give them five five Frank or five five you know Edward or something like that? Why do they have to give them five five David? Uh, who knows? It just doesn't work. It's not the same. Um, nope. But this is where Finney basically um, acts all puppy doggy, and he's like, "Is it true what he said about my dad? You know, I grew up. He's my hero. Was it all a lie?" And kind of this, this is where I just can't get a read on him because straight away he's like, I want to drive. And Davis is all like, no, rookies don't drive. But then because he bats his little puppy dog eyes and he's all like, oh, it's all a lie. Oh, screw him. I'm going to believe whatever my, you know, I want to believe about my dad. Um, he lets him drive. So to me, how I read this scene is that Finney is deliberately doing that to get to drive, if you know what I mean. Yep. And, uh, and considering... How do I say this without spoiling it? Considering who he was raised by, it's not a stress to think that he would be good at 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 manipulating people. Yeah, yeah, because it's like it's that that moment when kind of Finney's been all puppy dog, and then he gets in the car, and then he kind of turns to Davis, and he's just like, "I don't give a damn what you guys think about my dad." Like it's kind of like, okay, so he's played him for a fiddle. So uh, it's just odd. I don't get it. Um, but I, I do. I will say I do like Davis and like leader Davis. You know the way he's kind of like uh, taking control and being all like, you know, like you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to search the RMP, you got to do this. Like I don't know, Davis. 
we talk about development of characters. I talked about it a couple weeks ago with Cruz. We talked about it with Yokus last week, becoming a detective. I think we need to obviously mention Davis's development of a character. Like, it's a small little promotion being, what, like a field training officer? But he does it well. Like, yeah. I mean, God, go back to the first episode of Davis where... And, like, the more I think about it, like, you draw parallels between Finney and Bosco, I'd almost draw a few comparisons to uh, Finney and Davis because... You know, you think about the gung-ho nature of Davis in that very first episode where he just ran up onto the roof to try and find, you know, Jerry's shooter. Like, it's kind of a bit like what Finney does in some of his early episodes, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, there's there's elements, I think, of both. But anyway, um, we've got our obligatory uh, random firehouse storyline because, again, we're just going to have pointless firehouse storylines and comedic moments. Um, yeah, we don't really get to see them doing much of anything. It's just a. It's basically a scene about um, Holly talking to Grace about star signs, uh, and that uh, reading out uh, Carlos's stars and saying there's going to be a workplace relationship because Jupiter's aligned, uh, and then kind of you know obviously you Carlos that, is all Grace? Like to Grace. And I that? was like, <laughs> <laughs> I do like. All that. I could think of that point was, come on, Carlos, you know you. You know, that ship sailed. You have well, no chance with Grace. I will say, though, like, we, we talked about, like, um, red herrings and kind of, you know, the non-obvious things. And we talked about that last week, like, the, the you know, the rat is in the house and, you know, that Miller's too obvious and it'll shock her, it's Monroe. I think kind of what they do well here is that, um, you know, the whole setting up the Carlos and Holly romance storyline because yeah watching it kind of it maybe is a little bit too obvious that you know grace and carlos are never going to hook up but i mean we did kind of have that moment in grace's first episode didn't we where carlos stood up to grace and grace kind of had that bit of look on her face like okay you know got stones like you know um so kind of there was a bit of an implication there but i just i do kind of like the way they set this up like you know jupiter's alive there's a workplace relationship and it's ultimately going to be holly and carlos and i love like i do love holly and carlos's the way they started up because even like when they what sleep together and then kind of Carlos is like, you know, Oh, you know, I'm not here for a relationship. It's okay. <laughs> so It's just, yeah, I don't even like you. <laughs> like it's, it's funny. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, we've got Cruz in the car with Miller waiting for Yoshi's family because we need to, <laughs> we need to close out the Yoshi storyline, don't we? This is it, folks. The closing out of the Yoshi storyline involves him sitting outside a house, waiting for Yoshi's family, and then that's it. We're not going to see anything more. So, uh, Why did they even do that? Who knows? Who knows? Um, our comedic paramedic storyline of the week involves a, uh, a fortune teller uh, and a man who's had a reading, and she's been a bit of a bitch because, you know, he's having a heart attack, essentially, and uh, she's complaining that he's not going to pay. So um, Carlos basically stands up and he's kind of like, you know, usually if someone's going to die, I think you forfeit your fee. You know, you're not getting any money. So then she yells out some pig Latin or something and curses Carlos. (laughs) (laughs) I do love Carlos's reaction. I got your curse right here. (laughs) One thing I love, I don't know if I've talked about it too much, but I love Carlos's short temper when all of a sudden he just, yeah. like, reacts to these situations. Um, yes. But, I mean, what, what's your take on random fortune teller putting a curse on Carlos storyline of the week? Oh, in a way, it is kind of, in a way, it is kind of funny. Yeah. And it is. I mean, it's look, again, It's this is what we're going to get all season long with the paramedics. It's basically... What situation can we find them to put the comedy into it? And like, yeah, like it's it, this one's kind of quirky and fun. Um, 
and like I do kind of like how this ultimately leads to Holly and Carlos hooking up. Um, yeah, but, you know, and like you got to, I got to say though, like the comedic storylines that we do get, like they do pull them off really well. Like Anthony Rivera and Cara Bueno and Avon Jung, they all kind of pull it off really well. Um, and one thing I feel like I also need to point out, because I think I mentioned it last season, um, Carlos just doesn't cut his hair at any point now. He's he's got long hair from now on. Um, so uh, uh, I mean, a bit Holly of a did tell right me now. has a stupid haircut. <laughs> that's a good point, actually. Maybe that's why he just grew it out. Um, and we're going to have Bosco too with longish hair this season as well. So kind of, uh, you know, my two favorite characters in, in some ways have long hair essentially now this season. Um, Sully and Munro are in the car. Uh, Sully's bagging out CT Finney. Um, and they sort of have a bit of animosity between the two of them. Um, Sully's saying, if you've got a problem, I can drop you back in the house. Uh, they get a call about gunshots. They rush off to that. Um, they nearly collide with Finney along the way. There's a Chinese celebration, and they realize that uh, they've been called there because it's just fireworks. Finney uh, jumps out of the car with a gun. Um, and I do love Davis's reaction. He's kind of like, you're going to shoot that boy? You're going to put the gun away? Um, and then we kind of get our first of many Sully versus Finney scenes where, you know, Sully just going off at him like, you know, hey, boy, wonder, did you see how much he nearly collided us with there? And kind of, this is, again, where we struggle to get any redeemingness from Finney here and kind of get a weird read on him because one minute he's there as like a rookie cop pulling a gun on a kid the next minute, he's standing up and being a jerk to Sully, basically saying, like, you know, why don't you go back and read the paper, whatever you old-timers do. Um, and then, you know, shoving each other, and then kind of Finney just becomes a bit more of a dick when he's like, you know, my father says hello. Um, and then I, I do love Davis kind of, you know, he's in the middle here. Um, poor guy. He gets the keys off Finney. Uh, and then saying, like, I'm going to take <laughs> you back and get you reprimanded. I don't care give a damn who your daddy is. So there's a lot going on I, I in this love, scene, isn't I there? I love that... Yeah, I I love that 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 dressing down that Davis gives him right right there. I I don't know why, but I I just love the way he does it. You know, he just like rips in like rips into him, and then I think that's when Finney realizes, oh man, maybe I better tone it down a little bit. Yeah, and I agree with you. Completely agree with you. And I think the thing that I actually appreciate with the the Finney and Davis sort of partnership is that kind of we've only really got like basically a week where they're a bit each other's throats and kind of you know davis is really standing up to him and then it kind of switches pretty because these two obviously get a close bond with each other and I, I i will say like i like the finney davis kind of bromance that they have um it kind of it, it, it's a different it's a different element to the sully davis bromance so yeah i i like that we kind of quickly get into a you know a buddy bromance between these two pretty quickly so yeah. Yeah. Um, Yokus is approaching Fred. She's saying that she's not there to fight um, and that basically uh, she wants the kids to come along tonight to her big promotion, um, which, you know, like, it's an interesting storyline the way they kind of go about this with the whole, like, the kids not showing up thing because you can understand both sides of things with it. Um, that, you know, yeah, you kind of feel heartbroken for Faith, but you can also understand why the kids don't show up as well. So, uh, I just want to point out too, this is, uh, Fred's second last episode. Um, so his last episode will be Leap of Faith. And I feel that when we get to his last episode, if we remember, we really should 
again, eulogise Fred because, you know, he was a main cast member of this show, even though he turns into jerkface Fred by the end of it. But uh, we'll we'll get to that when kind of in a couple of weeks when we get to Leap of Faith. But anyway, um, yeah. this is where um, Yokus also gets her first sort of glance at the, the other woman because she's in the car. We see the back of her head, you know, and she's like, is that her in the car? Uh, and then Fred obviously gets angry. He's like, you know, I don't want to complain, but I will, you know. So, um, yeah, getting a bit... Uh, yeah. Getting a bit angry. Meanwhile, I should have mentioned back at the uh, the scene when uh, Finny and that drove off, there was actually gunshots this time around, and we've got Sully uh, with his gun drawn uh, going around, and we see that a bride has been shot. Uh, and then this is where Cruz and um, Miller get a call, and they're not going to watch Yoshi's family anymore because, oh, no, we needed that wrap-up storyline, didn't we, that we're never going to get. Um, I feel like, did I jump over? A, well, I did. Yeah. There was a scene, uh, that I missed, uh, between Carlos and Grace where kind of Carlos is saying like, Oh, curse. Do you believe in that? What are we in the middle ages? And we get, um, a random guy scaring Carlos at the window of his, uh, car, like a homeless guy when he's like, you're going to die. And he's like, what? You have change for a dollar or whatever he says. <laughs> um, so that's kind of funny. Um, so then we've got a bit of a, a, I guess, a car chase going on as all these motorbikes drive off, uh, with, uh, people who have shot the, uh, the bride at this wedding. Um, we then have Davis and, uh, Finney pulling up at a red light. And, uh, this is where Davis kind of turns off the lights and he's basically like, no, we're going to wait. Like, you know, listen to the call. Uh, you've got to pay attention to the radio and all this sort of stuff going on as well. Uh, and then kind of we get this woman pulling up next to Finney and uh, sort of bobbing her head and uh, dancing along to a song in the car. They share a bit of a wry smile, a bit of a flirtatious smile, which, you know, come on, woman, you're married, as we're about to find out. Um, and Davis drops the line of, you know, come on, nothing ever happens, you know, deliberately in front of you. And I of thought course, it was Finney. Oh, was it Finney that says that? Okay, apologies. One of them says it. And, of course, what happens? The woman pulls out uh, from the red light. She gets collected, and there's a big crash. And then as she's laying upside down in the middle of the intersection, another truck comes along and collides with her. I do kind of like how this is all played in with her. I can't help but love nobody but you for all my life. <laughs> like, it's kind of, you know one of those moments where they're playing a song which really shouldn't fit with the scene, but it kind of does. Um, so um, he comes up to her. She's all like, she's all very calm and like, it's okay, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor. Um, we're back at the uh, police, uh, at the scene of the shooting uh, and Miller shows yeah. up, Miller questioning Sully. Sully's kind of like, you're the press conference guy, aren't you? Um, and they, I, I do like the way they kind of quickly are at each other's throats, but then Sully kind of, you know, gets treated well by Miller. So kind of just like Sally's that type of guy, isn't he? That like he has an opinion of someone straight away, but if they start treating him with respect, he's going to treat them with respect back. So he's quick to yeah, have case, a case in point Finney. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I really did not like, I, I could sort of understand it, especially when we ultimately find out who CT is. Um, but I, I really felt that, that was really, that was a real, I, I love you, Sally, but but I mean, you're, you're a real dick there. I mean, so what? He has the same last name as CT. That doesn't mean he is the same person. I understand what you're trying to say, but I think kind of 
knowing why he hates C.T. Finney, I think there's also a valid reason for that um, as well. But I, I definitely see what you're saying. But, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. I do think Sully does eventually grow to it i mean they just like with Cruz and faith i mean i don't think sully and brendan ever become friends necessarily but i do think that by the end sully does come sully does come to re, come to respect him yeah and no, vice versa i'd agree with that i'd agree with that um we've got uh also throughout this scene here sort of Cruz is all like you know Sounds like the dragons, you know, she obviously knows a little bit about this. And kind of I like the crew stuff that we get in this episode where kind of crew stands up and is basically like, you know, let me, I know my precinct, I know my streets. So we're going to get that as well. So obviously uh, Miller's trying to keep a tight leash on her. But this is, again, the sort of the bipolarness of this season. And I don't say bipolarness, that was season four, but like it's in the, the weird tone shifts and everything of this season because kind of this initial introduction of Miller is all about protecting crews, well, not protecting crews, investigating crews. And then, you know, within a week or two, it's going to be all about Miller and Yokus and kind of that the whole connection between Cruz and Miller is just completely forgotten. So, again, it's kind of like, why are we even bothering with this? Um, yeah. So, we've then got uh, just a brief scene of Grace and uh, Carlos. Uh, Carlos gets out of the ambulance and gets hit by a taxi, uh, kind of, you know, adding to this whole curse level thing that he's got against him. Finney with the, uh, the doctor woman in the car and just, you know... Again, can't get a read on Finney. He's been a jerk face one minute. Now he's all like, you know, rookie and all like, oh, I don't know what to do. Um, and then we realize, yeah, this woman who is so calm and it's, it's kind of just very, I think it kind of adds to the emotion of this, doesn't it? The fact that here she is kind of knowing that she's about to die and she's just so just like, hey, get this book. No, you need to. Brendan, calm down. Um, Amy Ryan is the person who plays this uh, doctor. And yeah, she does. I wondered a, who that was. Does a great job and uh, props to her. But like, it's just kind of, you know, obviously um, Finney's doing the cop thing and being all like, uh, you know, oh, you know, you're going to get out of this. You're going to get out of this. Um, but uh, ultimately she knows what's happening. Can I just say, Amy Ryan, Academy Award nominee. Uh, she was nominated for Gone Baby Gone in 2007 for Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role. So there you go. Add another one to the list between the Oscar winners and the Oscar nominees we've had on this show. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Did not know that. Um, but, uh, yes, anyway, uh, she's getting him to write down... Um, some stuff on a piece of paper. Finney and Grace have a moment where, uh, you know, Grace is all like, oh, you nearly got hit by a taxi in uh, New York City. Like, oh, what Carlos. a surprise. <laughs> Carlos, sorry. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Crew, and, she, you know, he's saying, like, Grace, I'm cursed. Cruz is questioning um, the, some of the witnesses at the wedding, and I do kind of like that guy where she's like, telephone? He's like, yes. And he's like, number. Yes. <laughs> Like, doesn't have a clue <laughs> what she's saying. Um, Munro uh, questioning Cruz. And, like, again, this is kind of where it's, like, a bit on the nose that we know that Munro is the IAB person. And just kind of the way she's, like, questioning Cruz about, like, oh, you don't have anything to worry about with that whole Yokish thing, do you? Like, I mean, like, I love Cruz, and Cruz is a very intelligent woman. But come on, like, why is she randomly asking her about that? She's not a friend. <laughs> so, yeah. 
I don't know. Um, Finney's writing down her last will and testament, hence the name of this episode. Uh, we find out that uh, this woman's got a secret bank account because she was going to surprise her husband with a trip to Australia. Good choice of uh, destination there. Um, she has a daughter. There's nothing she can't do. She tells her that. And um, the fire truck shows up. And for the first time in a while, we see Walsh. Uh, hey, Walsh. How you doing? We haven't seen you. Remember there's firefighters involved in this show, Darvell? <laughs> yeah, this... Oh, man, and... This would have been a great fire moment, a, a great firefighter moment. Show them. I mean, she knows she's going to die anyway, but show them trying to extricate her. Mm. Yeah. I mean, come on. And I think kind of uh, it's, it is frustrating because we talked about last season that, didn't we, that we've shown that Walsh and DK can hold some episodes in the, in themselves with the firefighting firefighting but I mean like, Walsh is the boss now too, yeah so the lieutenant it's just it's just odd and like here they are they show up and kind of what do we get a line from Walsh hey PD get out of there or something like that uh and that's it so eh, anyway Finney's promising this woman that uh she'll tell the daughter he'll tell the daughter so and I've written down here where's Davis and like we kind of get a line later on from Davis when he says like hey sorry I didn't realize it was you know so bad I would have been there for you but like what is Davis doing in this situation we don't even see him so <laughs> probably probably standing back to see what Finney is really made of because yeah. I think this I think this moment it does kind of sober him up a little bit uh, actually, I'm just looking at the scene here, actually. There's kind of a scene where they do a slow zoom in on Finney's face with the sad music, and you actually can see Davis in the background just, like, walking up. But, like, my question is, where have you been, Davis? What, do you go to take a dump or something like that? Like, <laughs> you know, what have you been doing? Um, we're at the hospital. This is a bit where Davis obviously says to, like, Finney, you know, like, hey, if I'd known it was that bad, I wouldn't have left you alone. It's kind of one of these weird transition shots that, like, yeah, you know you've got they've got to go from point A to point B in a TV show, so they're in the hospital. But are we led to believe that Finney and Davis had a car ride from the crash scene all the way to the hospital and didn't talk, and that Davis didn't say that in the car? So um, it's kind of weird. Um, we've got um, Miller wanting to question the uh, the bride who's been shot. Um, Cruz has been told to wait there. She doesn't want to help him. Um, I do like the fact that uh, uh, Miller just hands her his um, chewing gum. Uh, then we kind of get a weird scene between uh, Cruz and a random nurse when kind of she's all like, damn, you know, you go, girl. Like, you know, Miller. Like, um, and then kind of he's all, she's all like, don't even go there. Um, Cruz goes back into the room with Miller who's questioning the guy. She sees uh, Miller on TV. Um, so it's kind of like, okay, she, he really is the press conference guy. Um, Cruz wants to speak to Miller. Miller ignores her, you know, kind of, yep, there's that. Um, yeah. Carlos, meanwhile, tells Holly that he's cursed. Um, he needs to borrow a hundred dollars to go pay off the psychic. Um, and this is where we kind of get a random scene of like, Coffee being spilled on Carlos, knocking down a guy <laughs> on a ladder. Um, it's kind of funny. Um, he's hit his head again. Um, he does that a lot. Gosh, Holly. I was gonna say, is it me or does or does Carlos hit his head every other episode? Well, I think that's the ongoing joke that we kind of get this season, isn't it? That you know, Holly uh, Carlos is always getting his head hit. Um, so, yeah. Um, 
So we're back at the precinct. Um, and I am not even know what I'm saying here. I'm just, I'm typing something and talking at the same time. Remember when they say men can't do more than one thing at once? That's something that I just proved there. Um, so we're back at the precinct. Miller's going off at Cruz, like, where, where did you go? I told you to stay there. And this is where kind of Cruz, like, you know, stands up and, Basically, we find out that she's arrested the guy who did the shooting because uh, this is where she's essentially like, hey, I know these streets. You know, you and I are never going to be friends, but, uh, you know, I know these streets. Let me do my damn job. And I kind of like this moment. I like this, like, yeah, you go, Cruz. You know, you tell Miller who's boss. Like, it's a great little moment. Um, I mean, because, because, I mean, it's true. She does... You could argue she knows this. She knows the streets better than a lot of the than a lot of the other cops in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's kind of. I mean, that's really the conclusion of the Miller crew storyline. <laughs> so you know, we're going to get Miller in a few episodes, kind of around Yokus, but that's kind of basically going to be it. Uh, then we get the scene here with Finney and Davis, where they're telling the the doctor's husband that uh, she has died. Very powerful moving scene. I think it's kind of, again, this is where it's just difficult to get a read with Finney on this episode because he's being a jerk. He's being naive. Now he's kind of doing his first ever death knock, like, you know, very strongly. And, like, let's be honest, for a show about cops where they deal about, um, you know, death quite a bit, it's it's a few and far between when we kind of get these scenes, isn't it? So um, this, this, yeah. is a, this is... I mean, I'm trying to remember the last one we had. Well, I think this is probably a scene that... Um, is almost very much out of season one or season two. Like you could almost see it being sort of in those earlier seasons. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of appreciate it. And the acting here is always all very well. And, you know, I know I kind of said that Josh Stewart every now and then doesn't act very well, but this is a scene that you can't fault him at all. Um, and the husband as well, he does a really great job as well. Uh, um, Armand Schultz is his name. Uh, has he been nominated for an Oscar? Let's click on his name. Um, no, he hasn't. So, just uh, uh, there goes our there goes our streak. Best known for being in Vanilla Sky. Um, so there you go. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's a great scene. And excuse me, obviously Finney um, telling the daughter as well, kind of what was being told as well. There um, we then have from that point, Yokus has just had her uh, promotion. She's standing outside. And uh, no one is there, and sad Yokus. Everyone walks through, and uh, she just walks off. So um, yeah, it's a sad little scene. It's again, it is kind of one of these moments where it's sort of like, in a way, you will understand. And when sort of Emily stands up and says, like, "Hey, you've never been there. It's not very good to stare at an um, empty chair, is it?" But at the same time, you're obviously feeling very bad for uh, Yokus, and the sad music's making you feel sad as well. Um, Davis and Finney have a nice little scene. Um, where sort of Davis is saying, like, that's the hardest thing you'll have to do. Um, you know, you did well in there. And kind of Finney sort of saying, like, you ever feel like you can't do this? And then sort of Davis is like, yep, all the time. You know, the one thing I've learned is that you can never control the day. Be prepared for whatever the public needs. Um, and then kind of I do like the moment where Finney is kind of like, I owe Sully an apology. And Davis is just like, yeah, hold off on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, that it it, it shows, again, I mean, you talked earlier about how, you know, Davis as a rookie versus Finney as a rookie and how, you know, it's kind of come for kind of come full circle with, you know, Davis being a field training officer now and him training Finney. And I mean, I could see, I could see what, um, what, what Davis said to Finney right there in that little speech. 
I mean, when, when watching that, I think, hmm, that's the sort of thing Sully would have said to Davis on their first, whenever their first death knock was, mm-hmm. which I don't know if we ever saw any of the, any of the, any of those from them in any episodes, but I mean, like I said, that sounds exactly like the sort of thing Sully would have said when they had their first. Yeah, exactly. And I think you're absolutely right. And I kind of think that's just the development of the, the Davis character, which I appreciate. Like, I talk yes. about season six being its own it. beast and kind of it's separate to everything else, but there are still elements where it's kind of like you can't not but commend them for coming full circle. And it's a great story arc of Davis to kind of go from that rookie cop who's naive and kind of getting the, the lectures from uh, Sully. And that, yeah, you're right. Now here he is with his own rookie cop uh, giving lectures, you know, to him. It's kind of like if I can randomly pull something out of my ass to compare it to, Star Wars Episode One, when we see Obi-Wan Kenobi with Qui-Gon Jinn, and kind of then we see the development full circle of eventually Obi-Wan having his own Padawan with uh, Anakin by the end of Season 3. Ah, uh, Season 3. Episode 3. So, you know, it's kind of, yeah, a weird... Like, Davis is now Obi-Wan Kenobi, basically. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not all that familiar with Star Wars. So oh, I'll get off my show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know all the story arcs. I know some of the character names, but I've never, I've never actually sat down and blazed my way through it. Well, you'll have to if you want to be part of the show. You're officially fired until you uh, watch all Star Wars movies. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, no, uh, agree with what you were saying though. Except for the fact you haven't seen Star Wars, like Jesus. Christ. Well, you know what I mean when you say that. Whatever. I know what I'm talking about. Moving on. So. Um- <laughs> <laughs> we then have uh, Holly basically trying to get rid of the curse with Carlos. Uh, we find out that she keeps all these candles and everything in a locker. Uh, I kind of like when Grace says that to her, and she's like, "You know, there's so much evil in the world. You never know when you're going to need it." Um, and then basically, it all she's ends, not wrong. It all ends with Holly getting up, pinning her against the wall, pinning Carlos up against the wall, and making out with him. <laughs> to which Grace has obviously seen this. Um, and then she's like, you know, this is the beginning of a work-love relationship. <laughs> and I just love Grace's reaction, um, and just even Carlos's reaction when he's kind of like, hmm, okay, wow, like, maybe I'm into this. <laughs> so <laughs> I just love that moment. <laughs> and there we have it. And then the yeah. thing too, and we need to point this out for those, just to clarify, people might not know this, maybe you're tuning into this episode for the first time, uh, that these two in real life are married, uh, Von Chung and Anthony Riva are both very happily married in real life, plenty of kids, one of whom's probably going to be a future Olympic champion in gymnastics as well. But uh, both of them have been on the show, both have talked about their scenes of uh, working together. So, yeah, download both our Von Jung and Anthony Riva uh, interviews uh, to hear a little bit about that. So, yeah. Yeah, and I've, and I've, said, I've said several times concerning them, and I'm sure you have too, especially when you talk with both of them about it. it helps that they're married in real life because, you know, they know how they can, they can play off each other's they can play off each other so well in these kind of scenes. And you got to I mean, hope they, they, damn well they have really, chemistry. They really, <laughs> they really, yeah, they, they really don't need to act. No, exactly. And that's, I think, what both of them said uh, when I interviewed them was they both said very similar things. I think it was the Anthony Reeve of one I remember that he said that um, the only weird thing about it was like when they're in bed together that they've got like 50 camera crews around them, which is kind of not, you know, otherwise than that, it's generally pretty much the same of how it is at home. So, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's kind yeah. of it's interesting. Um, yeah, we close- but, and I'll, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. 
Oh, I, I was going to say again, you know, going back to the going back to the Death Knox scene that I really after this after that scene and after this episode, I don't really see Brendan as being all as as gung ho as he as he was at the start of this episode. So, yeah, I think I think that really I don't know how to say it sobered him up. And I said that already, but. I wanted to emphasize that again. Yeah, no, and I, I would agree with that. I, I agree kind of what you're trying to say there. And yeah, I definitely think that's a good point of uh, putting it there. We end this episode. Yokus is still sauntering around her yeah. graduation. Uh, Munro shows up and he's all like, hey, you know, uh, I heard you, this is your graduation. Let's go out for dinner. Um, so they go out, have a drink, uh, have dinner. You know, I've never had uh, dinner with a detective before. Neither have I. Um, and... I do kind of like how she's like, if the food doesn't come soon, I'll get drunk. Um, it's like, oh, you know, that's fine. But <laughs> this is another one of those, hey, let's end it on a pointless cliffhanger because through all of this, when these two are having a chat and just having a nice, casual, friendly glass of wine at, you know, whatever time this is at night, we zoom out to see that there's a car outside listening and that uh, Munro is wired and that this whole thing is getting recorded. Oh, plot twists, whatever. Like, seriously? <sighs> Come on, who gives a rat's? No pun intended. Um, you don't need this. You just don't <laughs> need this at all. Like, ugh. I mean, you you could have them having drinks, but I mean, because the, the having having drinks together, yeah, that works. But not the whole plot. But yeah, you're right. Not the whole thing of Monroe being wired. And even like the the scene, kind of when she's like holding up a badge and she's all like, you know. Oh, I thought it would be more special or whatever. And, you know, Munro's kind of like, oh, you know, come on, Faith, that does make you special. The thing, too, with these two here, which I find weird, like, when they were first partnered up at the end of season four, I guess the only time they were partnered up, that one episode they had, they felt natural with each other. They kind of felt like they had good, you know, working relationship and chemistry. Here it's kind of just, yeah. it just feels odd. Like, it just feels like, why are these two here? Like, and kind of just even Yokus's reaction with it. Like, it's just, it's odd. And I don't know if that's deliberate because, you know, kind of Munro's a bit tense because she's, you know, getting there under false pretenses. Because I think the thing what annoys me too with the whole Munro being with IAB is that they go out of a way so early to be like, oh my God, she's a rat. Oh my God, she's only caring about trying to find information. And then all of a sudden they switch focus in a few episodes to get her trying to redeem herself as the big reveal happens. And it's kind of like, uh, I just, I wish if this is going to be a storyline, make it so we kind of feel redeemed with her early on as if to be like, oh, we know why she's doing it. Because like right now, kind of, I feel like you're not meant to like Munro because she's only doing this purely at the no. point right now to further her own career and to help Finney. So, yeah, it's, it's just odd. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Look, Darvel's so odd with it, he's choking on himself. So, anyway, um, it is what it is, and that's basically the... Uh, End of the episode. Uh, Last Will and Testament. Darvell, what are you going to do with this one? I am going to rent it. Okay. Just uh, not quite up on the level of a of a buy for you. No. No, but- not no. But it's 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 def it's definitely no bin either. Well, look, I'm going to say that's very interesting because I am going to give it a very low buy. Believe it or not. Um, I'm not bored in this episode. I think there's enough in it to kind of, you know, entertain me. And I think kind of, even though I'm confused that uh, Finney's all over the shop. And mine's a high rent. Yeah, I kind of find it interesting. I I don't mind the Yoka stuff and the reactions that she's having. I love the cruise bit where she kind of stands up for herself. 
Um, so yeah, I'm going to give it a low buy. And if I'm not mistaken, if I'm quickly scrolling through what I've got in front of me, this is the first time since Season 4, Episode 11, Second Chances, where I've bought and you've rented. So there you go. Bit of a, a bit of a story right. there. Um, <laughs> and I will say in terms of ranking this episode, remember I've ranked up to the eighth episode of this season, so 118 episodes I've ranked. I do, the, I do have this as the lowest buy, so um, it's just over the cusp. So this is currently at number 78 out of 118 episodes that I've ranked at the time of recording this. So um, there you go. That is Last Will and Testament. Next week, uh, we don't bring you an episode of Third Watch. We bring you an episode of Criminal Minds. Uh, it is called Obsession. Um, uh, it yes. does. It does have that Criminal Minds vibe to it. Oh, like, come on. I've not... Re- I've, honestly, I'd probably say, never watched a full episode of Criminal Minds in my life, but I've seen enough of it to know what Criminal Minds is like. And this is Criminal Minds, CSI. Like, take your pick. Like... Next week we're not reviewing Third Watch. Like this is not a Third Watch episode next week. No. No. Yeah, I actually remember I I actually remember fast forwarding through this through this episode, you know, skipping ahead a few times cuz I just got I really didn't like the the guy the guy on the tape. I'll say it right now, the guy on the tape is just he makes me cringe. Well, I'll just quickly say I think that's the point, and I'll say Ethan Supley, who plays him, who's slightly well known. Uh, if you ever watched My Name Is Earl, um, he was Randy in that show, but he's been in lots of different shows as well. So he's kind of one of these ones similar to Aiden Quinn, where like you know his face, you know he's like what he's been in and stuff like that. Um, but like I think he does a great job. Like, look, I'm just going to say this now: I don't hate this episode. I don't love this episode. It's just. It's its own entity. It's, kind it's of there. Sum- it's kind of sums up season six in its own way. It's just, it's there. But, like, there, there's... Uh, how do I put... Like, I, I think kind of it's done well for what it is. But it's just... I think the thing that just takes me away so much from everything that it is is ultimately the fact that I just don't feel like I'm watching... My, like, this really is the point where it's like, holy crap, this is not third watch anymore. But anyway, that's next week. Obsession... Uh, that sums up our obsession with this show that we're ripping shit into <coughs> something even though it's an episode like us on Facebook follow us on Twitter subscribe on all the relevant channels send us an email send us a carrier pigeon send some Darville some cough drops he's having a few problems here with a frog in his throat um, and I don't know I'm going to get a drink of water after we're done recording I think that's a good <laughs> idea um, I think that about sums up everything I don't know what else I'm going to say my name is Ben and you and I are never going to be friends and here I was thinking we were getting off, thinking we had gotten off to a great start back when I joined the podcast. What's up, everybody? Well, well I can't say what's up now because I usually <laughs> say it at the top of every episode. My name's Darvell, and no closing quote for this episode other than my usual one. Thanks for listening, peeps, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.